are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We're coming to you on April 7th of 2021, so a day later than we normally do. Um, had a little bit of issues with some power at my house, but we're back. Um, opening day has come and gone. We've had a week of full baseball with fans in the stands, which has been pretty amazing. Um, what has your been, been your first impressions of opening week, Matt? Yeah, um, it's been a, a good opening week. I think uh, some good games going on. Uh, we've had some MLB records broken already. With uh, we talk about guys, we'll talk about later. But um, you know, we've had a we've had a very entertaining week already. Some fights and some animosity between teams. Uh, some good and cold, hot and cold start. We're going to talk about. Um, and uh, so it's been a it's been a fun opening week. Uh, it is good to see the fans back in the stands. Although you know, I'm hoping that teams start to get to go more i saw you know the uh the braves have been playing the nationals last few days and the nationals were only allowing like 10 percent crowds which is still very small and uh, one thing i'll never understand is why the if they're gonna have all this social distancing in the stands which is totally fine with me right now but why they don't open up the upper decks because a lot of these places are having fans in like most of the stadium, but then they're having the upper upper deck completely closed off. You would think that there would be more room to distance and they could have some more fans if they would just open that part up. But uh, that didn't make too much sense to me, but uh, either way uh, it's been fun. It's good to hear people cheering for their teams and uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what, what the season brings us. So, yeah, you, you just listen to the players that have just had interviews and literally the only thing they're like, what are you excited for this year? And they're like, fans. Like, we're excited for fans. Like, we're just so happy to have the fans back. We'll never take it for granted anymore. Um, you know, and you see players going out extra early, trying to sign autographs, trying to just talk to fans, trying to take pictures, you know, from as far away as possible and, and all that stuff. But it's, uh, it, it's really fun to see the fans and, and get that energy back that, you know, we were getting from the artificial crowd noises and stuff that just wasn't really there last year. So, but, uh, you know, we're going to start off with some injuries. We've actually had some high profile injuries happen already this year. Um, pretty unfortunate, you know, so early into the season. Uh, but the first one we have is Pirates rookie Brian Hayes has been placed on the IL with less wrist inflammation his x-rays were negative uh, but they don't quite have a timeline of how long they're expecting him to be out yeah that's unfortunate for hayes he's a really good player i think he was your pick for rookie of the year right yeah he was yeah and of course this doesn't sound like an injury that's gonna keep him out all year where it would really hamper his chance at rookie of the year but uh he's um you know he looked really good early i think he hit a home run on opening day off kyle hendricks so uh he, he looked really good, and then um, obviously going on the, the IL this early with uh, wrist injuries bad, but of course the Pirates will play it safe and uh, probably keep him out a while just to, for precautionary reasons. I know that sometimes with those wrist injuries, uh, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. dealt with one last year that was snagging, and sometimes you can bring guys back too, too soon from those, and they'll end up back on the IL. And uh, with a guy like uh, Cabrian Hayes, that's you know a rookie on a team like the Pirates, that's not really in in, in a uh, competitive mode right now. Um, you know, I think they're going to definitely give him a ample rest time to uh, heal that up. But it sucks to see because he's really the main reason to watch the Pirates right now. So um, I hope he hopefully he has a quick recovery from that. Yeah, hopefully he can because like you said, he's my pick for rookie of the year. So I, I got to make myself look good there. Um, but uh, the next one we had was Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, outfielder for the Rays, was placed on IL with a left quad strain. Uh, I guess it's an injury he's been dealing with uh, kind of off and on since spring training. Uh, it really happens when he breaks into a full sprint. But it sounds like he's expected to miss about two to three weeks. Yeah, that's unfortunate, especially for a guy that, you know, his speed is a lot of his game, his speed defense in the outfield, and then ability to run some on the base paths. Um you know, he's not a guy who's going to stand there at the plate while you with his bat or anything. So, um, you know, that stinks that he's going to be out. And that's one of those injuries that, uh, you know, can linger a little bit, those leg injuries that are muscular. Um, so hopefully he gets gets back pretty soon because it's been a rough start for Tampa Bay this year. 
Yeah, it has been. And a rough start for another guy is Josh Donaldson. Um, he's been placed on the le- on the IL with a mild right hamstring strain. You know, uh, Donaldson's dealt with hamstring and calf injuries the past couple years, and this just seems to to rear its head again. Yeah, and that's that's really unfortunate for Donaldson. He's a guy who has dealt with these injuries so much, and you know that was his downfall his final year in Toronto before he got traded to uh, to uh, Cleveland, and then you know last year dealt with some. This year he's dealing with some. Uh, already and you know that's that's been the worry with him for the last three or four years is his longevity and those soft tissue leg injuries have definitely been a problem for him so uh with it being a pattern it's definitely worrisome for the twins who you know he's one of their centerpieces in their lineup but uh luckily for them they're off to a pretty good start regardless and uh john donaldson has and, and the twins have you know They've got other pieces and their pitching's been good and it's early. So he'll have plenty of time to come back, you know, before things really start to snowball. So, yeah, Byron Buxton's doing his young Josh Donaldson impression right now. Yeah. Uh, that guy's been going off. Um, but same division, actually, the the Twins, you know, biggest competition in that division, they've dealt with their own injuries uh, with Tim Anderson. He was placed on the IL with a left hamstring strain, um, retroactive to the fifth. Uh, he was. He was trying to be out of the ball to first base. I was watching the game against the Angels, um, and he pulled up limp about three quarters of the way down the line. He didn't have a significant limp, but you could tell something was uh, was bothering him. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be too too bad, but most likely uh, at least two weeks or so. Yeah, another rough one there. Tim Anderson's a guy who, um, unlike Keir Meyer, he does have a lot of his skill is tied up in you know his bat and hit making contact and everything so hopefully you know he'll be able to come back pretty soon um and uh you know be healthy he hasn't really dealt with hamstring problems too much as far as i'm aware so um you know we'll uh we'll see him back soon hopefully and uh big piece for the white Sox who haven't looked great coming out of the gate so far this year and uh they could use all hands on deck right now to keep pace with the twins early on yeah, he's a big part of their lineup. Um, you know, especially now missing Eloy Jimenez already out. Um, since the start of twenty nineteen, Anderson has batted like three thirty with a three fifty four on base, which is about a one twenty nine OPS. So he's a guy who they're definitely gonna miss quite a bit because I think they're looking at like Danny Mendick or something as, as being the guy that they replaced him with for right now. So, you know, you gotta look at like Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal and, and Jose Abreu to really step up some more for the White Sox right now. For sure. Uh, well, James Paxton uh, got another forearm strain. He's been dealing with this for the past couple years. Um, doesn't sound like this one is as serious as those other ones. He said this has much less pain compared to the one he suffered last year with the Yankees. Um, I don't quite know. I don't think they have a timeline about how long he's supposed to be out, but a guy who's dealt with forearm strains um you know, previously in his career, and with that forearm being a sensitive subject for all pitchers, uh, the, it's not a good look for James Paxton right now. Yeah, and this is the downfall for James Paxton. His entire career has been injuries, and uh, whenever you hear the words forearm strain, you never want to hear that for a pitcher because a lot of times that can be pretty serious stuff. Um, hopefully they're correct about saying that this seems like it's not a super major thing. But, you know, he's dealt with the forearm strains and um, he's had Tommy John and he's had shoulder injuries his entire career. He's dealt with it. So, um, you know, that's very unfortunate for Paxton to start a season like this when uh, in this kind of bounce back, refresh, recharge, go back to where you were successful before type season that he was hoping to have. So um, 10 day IL already forearm strain. Those are two very uh very not good things for James Paxton and hopefully he is able to recover quickly and be a hundred percent. But, you know, I'll kind of at the point with James Paxton where I, I'll believe it when I see it, we're all pulling for him, but I believe it when I see it. So. Yeah. It, it sucks for James Paxton cause he has so much talent. Um, if he could just stay healthy for, for a little bit of time, you, you'd be able to see that come out. Um, but Trevor Rosenthal, next name we have, uh, he, He's been on the IL all season, but he said he started feeling a little bit of tingling in his pitching hand. Um, And now he's looking actually at having thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, uh, which would likely sideline him for about three to four months. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. Um, A guy who he's a really good pitcher, um, good, good reliever and thoracic outlet syndrome 
you know, that that's something that has at times put pitchers away for a while. I mean, that's the injury that Matt Harvey had. So um, yeah, that, that really, you know, derailed his career. But, um, you know, a lot of guys can recover fully from it. And, you know, you're looking at something that if he if it's all successful and he comes back to 100 percent, you're looking at three to four months, which is a lot better than like a Tommy John surgery, which would be, you know, obviously a full year. So luckily, um, you know, it sounds like he'll end up he'll end up being back this year. But, um, you know, that's never a good sign when you have a three to four month injury in the first week of the season. Yeah, and for a team like we'll talk about in a little bit, like the Oakland A's that have been struggling, um, you know, another piece of that bullpen would be huge for them right now. So losing Trevor Rosenthal is a big blow to them. Um, but we'll move on to our next one, which we've had our first, you know, kind of COVID outbreak um, so far, and that's with the Washington Nationals. Um, they ended up all, all in all having 11 players effective, four have tested positive, seven have been considered close contacts and have to quarantine. Um, you know, the notable names that they've had is Kyle Schwarber, John Lester, Brad Hand, Patrick Corbin, Josh Bell. Um, those are all guys that they expected to be pretty big impact guys for them. Um, they're all out. I, I believe we were talking before the show through this next weekend coming up. So that should be through the, through the weekend, that? through Sunday, yeah, probably through the, uh, through the 11th. Right. So I don't know when the IL stint is retroactive to here. But I'm pretty sure the day before opening day was when they announced these issues. So um, that's that's unfortunate. You know, we were hoping that we wouldn't have an issue like this this year with the amount of um, cases dropping, you know, around the country. And then also with, you know, I, I don't know how many of these players, but I'm sure several of them have been available to get the vaccine, too. So, um, you know, I depending on where they're from or where they reside. But uh, that really stinks. Um, you know, obviously some of these guys hurt losing them really hurts the, the nationals bad. Um, they've played the, I've watched them the last two days and, you know, missing, they were really missing Corbin today. They had to pitch Eric today who didn't, who got lit up at two innings. Um, they were, they've missed Schorber obviously, um, you know, Luckily for the Nationals, uh, Ryan Zimmerman came back this year, and he actually had a really good series and start to the season. So uh, the Josh Bell, uh, missing him, is probably not quite as big of a deal as we were thinking he might be. But, uh, you know, Lester, Hand, that their bullpen gave up a, gave up the game today. So you know, maybe if they had Brad Hand, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, they were missing both catchers in Gomes and Avila. They had Jonathan Lucroy starting their first two games which he actually you know is fine he he's not what he once was but you at least have a veteran guy in your organization to to catch but uh you know 11 players out that is never easy they had some relievers out other than hand as well um a couple other bench guys so um they'll get them back pretty soon um you know when it comes to the nationals, I'm not exactly sure how much that's going to matter uh, because they seem to right now be a, a two man team or really a three man team. Cause Strasburg looked really good today, but um, they, uh, they definitely need to get these guys back soon as possible. Cause the NL East is a bloodbath. Yeah. If they want any shot, they have to get those guys. Like we said, they're supposed to be all impact guys. So they need them back really big. Um, the big injury we had this week was Fernando Tatis jr. Um, he dislocated his left shoulder, well, a partial dislocation of his left shoulder with a partial labrum tear as well. Uh, they sounds like from what doctors are saying around that they expect him to likely be out three to four weeks. They're, the Padres are trying to say that you know it's not impossible that he can come back after the minimum 10 days that he's on the IL. But it's re- it, it sounds really doubtful with the guy who we've talked about, Tatis, dealing with some shoulder injuries already which it's actually came out that he was dealing with little dislocations of that left shoulder already through the spring training and everything. But this is obviously on a, on a bigger scale. Yeah. This stinks. Um, stinks for baseball to have a guy like Tatis jr. Get injured in the first week of the season. Um, obviously the Padres were hoping to contend this year with the Dodgers for the division title. Um, and, you know, missing him for an extended period will really hurt that their chances at that. Um, but, I mean, luckily for San Diego, it seems like he's probably not going to need surgery. It could have this this injury could have been really bad, but 
it sounds like he should be back at least within a month or so. Um, the main thing that I want to talk about with this is that the Padres really don't need to rush him back. They, this is a guy who this is their future and their present, but he, they just signed him to this gigantic extension. You do not want to re injure that shoulder because I can tell you that a partial labrum tear is something you could definitely re injure if it's not fully healed up, and a dislocated or separated shoulder like that definitely something you can re injure and aggravate throughout the season. So that they need to play this cautious. They need Tatis Jr. there in the long run because he's a great player, great shortstop. Um, but you know, obviously, we hope that he's back as soon as he can as soon as he's fully healthy and ready because they, they need him and baseball needs a guy like him to be healthy because it stinks to see him get injured like that. Yeah. And like you're saying, they don't, I don't think they need Tatis to make the playoffs. So if, if you can rest up Tatis enough to where you know that you're going to have him for that playoffs, then do it. Um, you know, especially with how violent he swings the bat, that left shoulder gets extended a lot. And that's, that's exactly how this happened is he took a violent swing and the shoulder overextended. Um, and the way Tatis plays, even sliding into a base, it could happen. You know, your shoulders are so at risk when you're sliding head first and just how dynamic a guy like Fernando Tatis is, you could, you know, this whole season could be scrapped because of this, but it could you know affect him for many years down the road if it's not handled the right way. So like you said, it, they just need to play this cautious, not rush it back, understand that you have a good enough team to you know, play well above average baseball with him and still make a playoff run. And if it takes you know, two months even, then let it take two months because when you get Tatis back, you know he's going to be 100% healthy and you're not going to have to worry about it. Yeah, for sure. And um, hopefully it'll be before then based on what, you know, it sounds like it's not a super severe tear or anything like a you know, it sounds like it's pretty minor, uh, but, you know, still, I, I would not rush him back at all. I'd, I'd let him fully heal up, and be ready to go. But sometimes you're going to see this with guys that have such violent swings. I mean, it, it's part of the game and it's it's going to happen. So Absolutely. And it, it's Cody Bellinger dealt with the same thing in the World Series. You know, his was because of that. I was going to say that. Arm bash, I was going to say that wasn't exactly from swinging. That seems no. like it was from a celebration that no. went wrong. But <laughs> my point being here is that it was his was from the arm bash, but he has a very violent swing through his whole body. Um, yeah. And he immediately opted to get the surgery in the offseason, which I know this is in season, but still, it, it's a thing where it, it can get into a bigger deal where the surgery is absolutely necessary. Absolutely. So you don't want it to get to that point. Um, so sucks for Tatis sucks for the game, but hopefully he'll be back on the field, you know, as soon as possible and hundred percent healthy. But, uh, next, uh, we'll go on as we had an, uh, an extension this week. It's not a major extension, but David Fletcher, um, really good player for the angels. He signed a five year, $26 million extension has two club options for eight and eight and a half million. Each year has a $1.5 million buyout, um, and this could end up locking him up through his age 33 year. Yeah, I like this move for the Angels. David Fletcher is an underratedly good player. I don't know if underratedly is a word, but um, he's he's a he's a solid player. He, he's not a he's not going to be a, some kind of like superstar or anything. But you know, at second base, he's capable of fielding his position really well, and he's a good solid contact hitter that's not going to hit a ton of home runs, but he's you know solid. He's just a solid player, and this is a very cheap contract they've signed him to now he is still in i believe he's in his first year of arb this year maybe um i will need to look that up because i forgot to but um he he's a he's a solid guy he he is and he complements some of that lineup well you've got some guys with some big swing and miss in that lineup um and you know he's a guy who's always going to kind of be a good contact hitter get on base i mean you look at his last couple years and you know below you know 11 or below percent strikeout rate and above an eight percent walk rate his last two years so solid on base guy um you know putting up 350 on base percentage 2019 376 last year that's a really good numbers and he's a guy you expect to be a solid player and, and, and great in the field so I, I really like this move for the angels um you know fletcher he's he's early he i think this is his first year of arm now that i look at it um 
you know, obviously they're buying out a couple of years of his potential free agency. Uh, you said his age 33 season this carries him through with club and under club, club control. Yeah, if, if both club options are picked up, right, it'll be through age 33. Right. So that's, you know, this will this will definitely hamper his ability later on to go into free agency. But right now, I mean, obviously a guy who's probably not making a ton of money. I mean, he's making more compared to you and I, but um, he, this is going to help, you know, this is going to set him for life. So obviously it's, it's that, it's that old, uh, that, that, that argument we, that was made when, with the, with the Ozzy Albies extension a couple of years ago where it was really not a good contract for the player, but also, you know, tomorrow you could, you know, break your, break your knee, uh, mess up your knee and never play again or something. And this will set him for life because it's all guaranteed. So, or 26 millions guaranteed. So uh, good for Fletcher, good for the angels. Cause obviously they're, they haven't been especially known for signing good contracts recently. <laughs> and, uh, this is, I think, a very good one. So, yeah, absolutely. David Fletcher is a fun player to watch. Um, so, it, it's it's a nice, cheap, you know, deal for the Angels to have a player around for that long and and not major money. Uh, you know, most he's going to be making without the club options are is six and a half million, which is, you know, kind of the going rate for even a bench player right now. So, getting a guy oh, yeah. like David Fletcher who could be an everyday starter for you at that is, it's an absolute steal. Yeah, and if he continues with these numbers that he's got right now, he's never going to put up superstar seasons. But I mean, he's got a career ninety-eight WRC plus. But that also comes along with the fact that he doesn't hit a lot of power. But he's got a good on base percentage. He's actually a pretty good leadoff hitter. Like a, he's a prototypical leadoff hitter. Yeah, and he can and, play all over the place. And he can play second, third, and he's a very good defensive player. So, uh, you know, hopefully that that should age decently well too because it's not like his athleticism or his power bat speed and stuff is really what his game his game is mainly controlling the strike zone having good discipline and then being able to get on base and, and play good defense so i think this is this is something that'll be pretty solid in the future for the angels absolutely well, let's go ahead and move on to I think the one story this week that uh, that kind of brought the whole MLB world together for their hate of Rob Manfred again. Um, well, there's is, more than one, but <laughs> well, this is the one big one that that brought everybody together. Yeah. Um, and that is Nick Castellanos uh, ended up starting in a benches clearing brawl between the Reds and the Cardinals. Um, kind of story behind it: he had hit a home run the day before, uh, kind of pimped it like Nick Castellanos does a little bit. Um, the pitcher, I guess, I don't know if it was the same pitcher faced him the next day. No, it was day. different. It was different. Okay. So, anyways, pitcher Jake Woodford um, decided to intentionally hit Nick, Nick Castellanos um, the next day. So, Castellanos kind of picked up the ball after he was hit and was like, hey, you want this back? Like, kind of joking around, like, don't hit me. Uh, and they ended up coming around to where it was a, uh, he was on third. There was a wild pitch. He came in. The pitcher came to, to crash the plate. The ball got thrown. Castellanos slid in the pitcher landed on top of Castellanos. So then Castellanos got up kind of flexed and like screamed in his face. Like, let's go like, yeah, that's right. And then it just, you know, Yadier Molita came up, started pushing people and all benches cleared from there. Yeah. So here, here's the deal with this. If Nick Castellano, there, it's, it's the entire story versus the, the small story. <coughs> Excuse me. If Nick Castellanos just scored a regular run, and stood over the pitcher and flex. I would expect the reaction that I would that he got from the pitcher and from the Cardinals. Like, I, I'm all about the you know having the game be more fun and having the players be able to show out and, and everything. But if you score a run and you stand over somebody and flex, the pitcher's gonna get pissed off at you. The catcher is gonna get mad, stand up for his pitcher and everything. Just because I mean, any sport. If you go watch in the NBA, if a guy just stands over and flex, they're gonna call a technical foul. If you go watch the NFL, they're gonna throw a 15-yard penalty. That's just the way. That's way the way all sports are. That's really a taunt. But on the other hand, you look at the fact that they intentionally hit him. I expect that reaction on Nick Castellanos because I mean they intentionally hit him. I mean it. So. I, I get it. I get it from both sides. I don't think it deserved an ex extension because of the whole story. They intentionally hit him. If you're gonna if you're gonna throw at a guy, then that should be 
more more so of a, a suspension than it should be to go flex on the guy when you score a run. I mean, that's what they say. If you if you throw at somebody, then you know you might feel like they have it coming, but he'll take his base and he might score and screw up your game. So, I mean, I, I think that was a bad decision to throw at him. You know, I think that in the future, it it's probably would have been a good idea not to taunt the pitcher like that, just because that's something that. I think was totally call. I mean, it, it was totally fine in that scenario, but the fact that it's probably going to cause you to get in trouble just with 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 the MLB and you know having a bitches clearing brawl like that. I mean, I would have. I feel like I'm on Castellanos' side in this case because of, you know obviously I I just I don't like I don't like guys getting thrown at like that. So I, I don't like that. But well, so I get the whole- it. The whole thing too is he got suspended two games and fined. Nobody else got anything. So he did that. He tried to walk away. Then he got grabbed and pushed from Yadier Molina and the pitcher and all this. Nobody else got fined. Nobody else got suspended. But Nick Castellanos. Yeah, I see. And, and the whole MLB initiative coming yeah. into this year and even last year was let the kids play, let the kids show emotions, let the kids do what they want. Like obviously not throw at people. But let the kids show emotion. Let everybody be themselves and not get angry at anything. And then you do something like a guy who just got, got intentionally hit, got the pitcher just landing on him from that. He always shows emotion when he does home runs and anything anyways. And then now you're going to suspend him for two games and find him because he showed a little emotion there and the other guys took offense to it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, get, I get being upset with Castellanos if it wasn't for the – the fact that they hit him on purpose though. Cause I mean, like, like you say, there's, there's no other sport where you're not getting penalized for, for, for taunting like that. I mean, that wasn't really a taunt. It was more so than just let the kids play. But at the, at the same time, you're completely right because he didn't ex- exactly like, I mean, I think the fact that they threw up that they threw at him is what started the fight. I mean, I think that's what started the altercation is that they threw at him. So, I mean, I think that you can't you can't suspend Castellanos and then not suspend Yadier Molina and not suspend the pitcher for throwing at him. I think it's ridiculous. I wouldn't suspend any of them. I think if you if you throw at somebody, then the perfectly reasonable reaction is to be mad and then taunt them when you score a run. And then the perfectly reasonable reaction to that is to get mad at him and, and get in his face. I mean, I, I that's that's just the way I feel about it. I don't think they should be suspending anybody for that. I mean. Now, if you know Castellanos runs into home plate and then just starts throwing punches at Yadier Molina or something, then, oh, I, yeah. then I mean you have to. But at the same time, like it doesn't seem to me like it was worth a suspension at all. It, it seems to me like it was probably something where, you know, I totally get it if Yadier Molina wants to get in his face about it, and I totally get Castellanos for wanting to taunt the pitcher after he hit him on purpose. So I, it's just one of those situations where I mean I. I don't think anybody's really to blame except the pitcher for throwing at somebody. And I mean, you know, obviously there weren't warnings before the game and you didn't know that was coming or anything. If, if there had been warnings or something and they knew for without a doubt that there was going to be someone throwing at somebody, then they probably would have suspended the pitcher for throwing at him. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would have looked into suspending the pitcher more so than anybody else in, in my opinion, but uh, obviously they didn't do that. Hopefully, Castellanos will win his appeal because I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I don't understand why the the players handled it themselves. I don't understand why Major League Baseball has to step in and do something else. So, absolutely. Well, you know, talking about Nate Castellanos and everything, that's going to kind of lead into our next segment, um, which we wanted to mention a couple teams that it, you know we didn't expect to quite be doing this good just through the first week. So it's small sample sizes, um, and then a couple teams you know that have been doing bad and a couple honorable mentions. Uh, but the first team that I wanted to mention was the Cincinnati Reds, you know, Nick Castellanos' team. They are five and one so far this year. Uh, we did not expect, you know, they're leading their division by, you know, a game right now over the Cardinals. Um, but as a team this week, they hit 314, have a 396 on base percentage. You know, they've walked 10% of the time. Um, they're pitching, even without Sonny Gray, has been pretty decent. Um, you know, they're also, uh, Luis Castillo got lit up on opening day, but he came back and bounced back today very, very well. Um, I'm trying to look up. I had their stats. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. In 
So far in 45 innings, they have 10 strikeouts per nine as a staff, 2.8 walks per nine. They have a staff ERA of 380. So it's not the best, but they're getting it done mainly with hitting, led by Nick Castellanos. Um, Castellanos, I think he has the major league or tied for the major league lead right now with four homers. Um, he's batted 474 with a 524 on base percentage. Um, so this is a team that we we didn't really expect to be as as good as they are so far through six games, um, five and one leading their division. But uh, it's a good start for the for the Reds, who a team we thought were going to struggle a little bit more this year, and especially without you know one of their top pitchers in Sonny Gray being out and Luis Castillo struggling in his first outing. Yeah, for for sure, and you know you look at the Reds and they've had some luck too. Like I don't think Tyler Naquin's going to keep doing what he's done so far like i don't think jonathan india is going to keep up like a 550 um, uh bad up but you look at the you look at the reds and and there's reason to believe that they could be better than they were last year like nick castellanos he he's a guy who has gone has been hot or cold but when he's been hot he's done it for an extended period like that second half when he was with the cubs and was just going absolutely crazy like so so nick castellanos is a guy you might you might be able to believe has just a season where he is just absolutely insanely good and then they've got other guys in there like like nick senzel and um who's played well so far and, and tyler naquin to that to a certain level that i think you know they're they're just they're they've always been perfectly fine major league players who you know they might have one really 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 good season especially with with Aquin's case and then with Senzel's case you know he's needed to be healthy because he's a young guy who's never really been healthy so I I, I mean I think that the Reds I mean they're not going to keep up the pace they're on now but weak division they'll get Sonny Gray back Castillo had a rough outing in his first game but he was really really good uh, today and throwing seven shutout innings in his second outing. I, I really do think that first outing is a blip on the radar for him. So, I mean, I, I, I like this team. I, I mean, I think they're they're probably better than, than we gave them credit for coming into the season. Suarez, I, I forgot about Eugenio Suarez is going to be better than he's been to start the season. So that might be a guy who, you know, has, hasn't gotten it going so far, but it's going to be really good. Aquino hit a home run today. Like this team, this team's got some, some talent and they've got some good players and, you know, a good start for them. So, absolutely. So, who, who's the the team that's doing better than expected that you wanted to um, mention? Well, th- this team's a little bit of the opposite of the Reds and how they're doing so good. But uh, I was going to mention the Phillies. They had a they've had a really good start. Uh, they've played two series against uh, you know National League East rivals, and as as we expected, the National League East is going to be a really really tough division. And I think the the teams at the top are going to be real close. So anytime even even though it is the very beginning of the season, anytime you get to play six games against your division, you know, it's, it's important to start off, start off well, because I mean, that's six games behind them where they've gone five and one in the division and, and have put, put dents on teams, but five and one start for the Phillies, uh, three games, they won against the Braves and they won, they've won two games against the Mets already. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the the Brave series for the Phillies, uh, maybe a little bit of, of, of luck involved. They had a lot of a lot of weak contact hits. They, they had a lot of a lot of line outs. But, hey, it's good defense, too. Uh, their pitching has been really good. Aaron Nola looked good in, on opening day. Um, I mean, Zach Wheeler was phenomenal in, in his first start of the year. Uh, their bullpen has held up so far, which has really been the main question mark with their pitching is, is really their rotation depth behind their first two. Eflin has pitched well so far, but but mainly that bullpen. And, uh, you know, they've had some guys step up. Hector Neris has looked pretty good so far. Um, they had uh, Jose Alvarado looked, has looked really good. So they, they've, they've had some good-looking some good looking stuff, some players that have, that have definitely looked like they're stepping up their game a little bit. Um, you know, we'll see if they can keep it up. Their, their bats have, have been pretty cold so far. Um, they have faced really good pitching. Like, I mean, they faced the, the Braves top three and, and freed and Charlie Morton and uh, Ian Anderson. And then they faced Jacob DeGrom. Day before yesterday, they faced Marcus Stroman already. So they faced five really, really good pitchers. Plus today, I think they faced uh, Peterson, uh, David Peterson for the Mets. So maybe not quite as good as those other guys. But uh, they faced good pitching so far. And uh, we'll see if their bats can turn it around a little bit. But uh, this is a team that, that needed a good start. And they've gotten it for sure. 
yeah, like you were saying, their bats are going to turn around. Bryce Harper is not going to hit 200 on a season, even though he's walking quite a bit. You know, he's still got a 455 on base percentage. Andrew McCutcheon isn't going to hit 154, even though he's walking a good amount of bit and, you know, at a 389 on base. So definitely guys in this lineup, you still expect to turn it around. But to be off to this good of a start so far, it's really nice for the Phillies for a team. You know, like we said, we expected them to be one of the three battling for this division with the Braves and with the Mets. So good start for them to, to get out there and, you know, maybe put themselves a little upper hand to begin the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, but another team we just wanted to kind of mention was the, the angels. Uh, we both picked them to win our division. Uh, or we both picked them to win the AL West uh, in our predictions, but um, they are, what are they? Where They're four and two. They're four and two. They uh they had a strong start against the White Sox. I think they took that series from the White Sox, did they not? They did. They I think they won three out of four against the White Sox. Um, they they've looked good. I mean, their pitching has Dylan Bundy's looked good. I think they actually lost today. Uh, but or maybe they were off today. I'm looking. They were right off now. today. They were off they today. Were off. They, they, so yesterday they lost. Dylan Bundy second start, but Bundy pitched really well. Um, but they've, you know, winning their first series against the White Sox was impressive, and they did it with pitching too. Part of the time, but, you know, Dylan Bundy looked really good. Shohei Otani had some control problems, but his stuff looked really good, which is extremely encouraging for the Angels because he looked pretty healthy to me and he's going to rein that control in. He hasn't pitched a lot in the last two years. He'll get the, he'll get that figured out, but his stuff looked filthy and uh, against the good white Sox squad coming out to start the season, taking three, three out of four was very, very impressive to me. And then, um, you know, obviously playing Houston, uh, you know, they've, they're one and one against Houston so far. So they'll, they'll need to win. See, they'll need to they need to do well against Houston to win that division, but uh, good start for them for sure, and and for Houston too. They've had a really good start as well. So, absolutely. Um, but a couple teams that have not got off to the best of starts. Um, the team that I wanted to mention was the Oakland A's. Um, right now, Oakland as a team is twenty eighth in batting, and they are thirtieth in pitching through the first week. Oof. So. That is uh that is not good. Um, I don't think they or Sean Mania has pitched one game, but he didn't look good. Uh, Jesus Lazardo didn't look that great. Um, Chris Bassett, who's their opening day starter, he didn't do great on opening day, and the Dodgers kind of lit him up a little bit yesterday. So, you know, Oakland as a team, we didn't we were kind of down on them this year, anyways. I think we both picked them to finish third or maybe fourth. Even you did, maybe, but uh. Yeah, not off to a great start so far. I mean, they they have as a team they have an eight ERA right now, and their Ugh. batting average is one sixty nine with a two fifty seven on base percentage. That is not great. <laughs> that is not good at all. Um, they're just getting no offense. I mean, I think you know the the, the games that I just saw the Dodgers play. That's why I'm t- I'm bringing them up because I just saw them play a three game series. Um, you know, Matt Chapman wasn't really hitting Matt Olson. I I don't even think he played two of the three games because of lefties or no, he might've played today. I don't know. It was a day game. Um, but the, the really one that's only hitting for them is, is like Mark Canna. Um, he's their leadoff guy right now. So guys like Steven Biscotti, Elvis Andrews, um, Ramon Laureano, Sean Murphy. I mean, these are guys who just aren't producing right now that the A's are going to need to produce if they want any hope to battle for this division at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you look at the, you look at the, uh, the A's and you just have to, you've got a lot of, you've lost a lot of talent off that team. And I mean, I just don't see where the, the star talent is other than Chapman and, and maybe Loriano and Olsen. Like, they've got some good players that they're solid. Like, But, like, Matt Olsen's not a superstar. And Loriano is a good defensive player. He's a decent hitter. He's not a superstar. Chapman has the potential to be a superstar. But, uh, you know, Murphy maybe is good. But, uh, like, you just – and then in your rotation, you, uh, Lizardo finally pitched today and, you know, they won their first game that Lazardo pitched. So that was good for them. But um, I mean, I, I just don't see their rotation. Montas looked bad. I mean, Bassett's not great. Their bullpen, they lost Liam Hendricks. Now they're losing Trevor Rosenthal, who they had signed to replace Liam Hendricks. 
I mean, they're just not. I just don't see it with with this team, and um, maybe they'll turn it around. The A's seem to always figure out ways to be competitive, even though they're they don't have name brand talent. They're not, you know, overly talented, but um, you know, and hopefully they'll figure something out. But it's it's been a rough start for them, and I don't really see it improving too much. Yeah, neither do I. And we already talked today about them losing Trevor Rosenthal, who was a big piece to that bullpen. Um, and guys like Sergio Romo and uh, Yusmero Petit haven't looked great so far either. Yeah, for sure. So, so. so who's, uh, who's, a, who's the team you got? Yeah, so so I've got the, the Tampa Bay Rays, um, you know, coming off the World Series appearance last year. Um, they, they have not looked great. They've really gotten hit around a lot with their rotation outside of Tyler Glass now, who's pitched two games so far, has looked really good in both of them. But, um, you know, outside of him, they they got they've they've gotten hit around a lot. I mean, you look at they they got they gave twelve runs to the Marlins in, in one of those games. Uh, they their offense hasn't really gotten off to a strong start. I mean, they've had a couple games where they were shut down. The the Red Sox really knocked them around though, and that's worrisome because the Red Sox aren't really all that good. So, you know, their lineup can still be decent, but I mean, Monday eleven to two. You know, the, uh, this is a Red Sox team that had come off of sw- being swept by the Orioles as well. And uh, Tuesday lost in extra innings. Wednesday, you know, got beat 9-2 to two by the Red Sox. I mean, this is just – it's been a struggle so far. Um, the pitching for the Rays, losing their – losing their, their ace in the bullpen has really hurt them, I think, and Nick Anderson, um, him being out. But, uh, I mean – they're going to have to ride Glassnell a lot. Glassnell's a guy who sometimes just can have spotty command and, you know, but also has dealt with some injury problems. But other than him, I mean, you just look at their rotation and, you know, it's Ryan Yarborough who, you know, is kind of a crafty lefty who can put up some good outings at times, but isn't really a star level pitcher. Michael Waka, Chris Archer. These are some guys that you're going to have to have figure it out compared to what they had been doing in their previous stops and so far you know not great but um we'll see um you know the rays are always a team that can pull things out i tell you randy rosarina's looked good so far that's encouraging for them uh he made it one of the best catches early early season catches i've seen this year uh in that game on monday night i was watching them they were playing the red Sox. uh it was it was nationally televised and that that was just incredible just a diving sprawling catch and then uh he he followed it up by two making another great diving catch in the outfield and this is a guy who was de-aging last year in the playoffs for some reason i, I don't know why he wouldn't play in the field last year but um, they're going to have him, and, and when Kiermaier comes back, that's going to be a pretty dang good defensive outfield between those two guys. And uh, But, I mean, I, we'll see what happens with them. They're going to have to figure it out pretty quick, though, because the Yankees will be running away with it in that division if they don't figure it out quick. Absolutely. they uh, The Rays, you know, we, we talked about them. I was a little higher on them this year than you were, but they haven't really proven to, you know, so far this season at least, that they're going to be able to, you know, do what they did last year. Uh, but another team we wanted to, to mention that's kind of off to a bad start, and that's the Atlanta Braves. Um, and it really has to do with their hitting. Um, it, as of right here, it looks like they're 29th in hitting in the majors. And they are they have a 148 batting average, a 204 on base, and a 313 slugging percentage. Yeah, they, they've, they've struggled a little bit. Um, strikeouts have been a problem so far, uh, and general approach at the plate. Uh, the one thing I will say that that's encouraging for the Braves is the fact that, for one thing, they've pit, they faced good pitching so far. I mean, they faced Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, then they faced Scherzer and Strasburg in, in their second series, and so that 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 definitely is something in favor of them that they're not going to face that pitching every game all year. But uh, they've hit the ball pretty hard for the most part and have had some bad luck. I mean, they've had a lot of loud outs. I, I remember on opening day, they had two balls that were hit into the wind that were blown back. That, that probably would have been home runs most places. Um, but, um, you know, stuff like, you know, they had, they hit four home runs off of Scherzer yesterday, but they were all solo homers and they ended up losing the game. Um, it, there's been a little bit of luck involved, but uh, if you're the Braves, you've got to get Marcelo Zuna going. He hasn't looked great. He struck out a lot so far. 
some of those guys that we we talked about before the season that were a little bit of the worrisome parts for the Braves at, at the back end of that at the back end of that lineup, guys like Pache and and Austin Riley, uh, they haven't really gotten it going yet. It's it's been a struggle, especially for for Pache at the plate. Um, so the, the Braves do need to get those guys going. Albies finally got his first hit today. He 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 kind of figured it out a little bit. Um, if we had done a show when we normally would have yesterday. Um, then I would have definitely had the Braves as my number one bat on this list. Uh, but, you know, they swept a doubleheader from the Nationals today and, and won that series. So uh, you feel better about them going forward. I think this weekend is big because they face the Phillies for, for, for three games, and it's as big an early season series as you're going to have because you cannot go down and go, you know, to start your season one and five against your division rival, and, and you know, because – it is early season, and you don't worry too much about teams early season. But I mean, you're still putting away a lot of games against teams, and um, you know that that's a pretty big hole. You know, if you start off one and five against the team, you know, or or zero and six against the team, I mean, that's a pretty big hole to, to climb out of at the end of the season. So um, it's a big, big, big deal for them to kind of figure it out and get back, get back after this weekend. But uh, you know, obviously they faced a really they faced a good team this weekend, and it's just one of those things where there, there's some things that they're going to have to iron out, but you know, some of it might be a little bit luck based. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, definitely uh, not the best of starts. That's for sure. Yeah. So those were your, your good teams and your bad teams so far this season. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode, kind of going over our players of the week um, and a couple honorable mentions of players who probably should have been mentioned, but we're not going to, you know, we didn't pick them as our, you know, we only pick one player one, or one hitter, one pitcher each week um, for each of us. But, uh, you know, for my hitter this week, I'm going to go with Ryan McMahon. Um, and the main reason I want to go with Ryan McMahon is because his stat line is kind of crazy. So he's got a 444 batting average with a 444 on base percentage and a 1.222 slugging percentage. So, he has four home runs, seven RBIs, and 18 plate appearances. He had a three home run game against the Diamondbacks just last night, actually. But he hasn't walked once this year out of 18 plate appearances. He hasn't walked, but he's batting 444. Um, you know, he's always been a guy who usually does better at Coors Field than away. And obviously, these stats are at Coors. So you could say it's probably inflated a little bit. But uh, overall, really good week for Ryan McMahon. Um, you know, a guy who was one of their, you know, higher up prospects and hasn't really proven much at the majors yet. Um, so good start to the season for him. And, and hopefully this could be his breakout year for him. Yeah, for sure. That, that's, that's, that is a very good start. Um, my player of the, of the week is a guy who got a lot of press last week for his start. Um, and it's your men Mercedes. He slashed 565, 583, 826 this week. Um, it, which is incredible. Hit his first home run. Uh, but he started eight for eight in his MLB career. His first eight plate appearance, or he got a hit. So uh, that was very impressive. And I thought that was worth worthy of putting on here, even though there might've been a couple other guys who had better overall numbers. Uh, that was, that was pretty great for the, for the White Sox rookie and a guy who they, they really need this guy to, to hit well with Jimenez out and with uh, Tim Anderson out now that they, they need some bats to, to step up. And this is a guy who has so far. So they, uh, that's, that's a good start for him. Absolutely. Um, and just a couple names of guys who have been off to a hot start, you know, maybe that you don't quite hear of every day. Um, Michael A. Taylor from the Kansas City Royals. He's batting 438 with a 471 on base and an 875 slugging percentage. Um, Nate Lau is from the Texas Rangers. He's batting 381 with a 409 on base and an 857 slugging percentage. Um, so just a couple names that I kind of wanted to mention of guys you don't hear about all the time. Do yeah. you have a you have a couple names? Yeah, the the main one I wanted to mention was a guy that we talked about briefly at the end of spring training, who who did so well in spring training uh, this year with with everything. He hit for power. He had great plate appearances. He had a a, a good walk rate, good strikeout rate. He was great, and that is a uh, Akil Badu, and uh, he's had a good start to the season. He he hit it. He got a walk off hit. Uh, he's he started off uh, with a four fifty five average over the over the first. Uh, looks like he's played, uh, had 11 plate appearances, five hits. He's hit two homers already. Um, this guy's been really good. So, um, you know, maybe the, maybe the, 
Tigers have stumbled upon something here. Rule five player um, didn't play last year in the minors at all, obviously with, with there being no minor league games in 2020, but 2019 was just in high A. So this is a guy who, and, and he hit 214 in high A in 2019. So this is a guy that, you know, maybe the, maybe the Tigers stumbled upon something here because he's looked really good so far. And hopefully he keeps that up because he's been an entertaining player to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Akil Badu, he's been a guy who, I mean, our group chat has been blowing up about him every single day. Yeah. Um, I think he even he even threw a guy out at second base today, so they were yeah, just like, he, what can't he do? Yeah, he he looks good so far. So, um, and, and we mentioned him earlier in this, uh, earlier on in the spring training when nobody else really was. So, yeah. Uh, props to us for for mentioning him a little early, I guess. But uh. You know, my pitcher this week I'm going to go with, I'm going to kind of cheese the system. I'm going to use a guy who's pitched twice so far, um, and that's Tyler Glass now. He's pitched 12 innings, five hits, only one earned run, only two walks in 12 innings. It's a big thing for him, but 15 strikeouts. Um, that's a, a .75 ERA. So, you know, everybody has been waiting for this Tyler Glass now breakout, and he had it to start the kind of 2019 season. Uh, you know, he kind of showed flashes of this, and then he ended up getting injured for a good part of that season. Uh, and then he, you know, like we said, he's always struggled with command, but if he can keep up, you know, two walks 12 per 12 innings and 15 strikeouts in that, I mean, Tyler glass now could be absolutely nasty and be a, you know, a dark horse for possible Cy Young run even. Yeah, he, he's very good. Um, so that's a, that's a good pick. I, I think Tyler glass now his, his stuff is in, just insane. And, uh, you know, if he can keep the walks down and stay healthy, I think he's going to be really solid. But uh, my pick this week, um, to be honest, it, it, this, both of these guys pitched the same game, and I was having a hard time picking between the two. But I'm going to pick Jose Barrios because he's the one that didn't give up a run. He, he pitched six innings, had 12 strikeouts, no walks, no hits. He did hit a batter. That was the only base runner he gave up. Uh, he got pulled after those six innings. I, I think his pitch count was somewhere in the 90s, which they weren't wanting to overextend him any this early. And uh, the bullpen blew the blew the no-hit bid. But uh, he, he was incredible. He's got great talent. He's got good stuff, great breaking ball. His fastball's got pretty good velo solid player and then and then his mount opponent was, was had the same stats through six innings but he pitched an extra third of an inning and gave up a homer but uh corbin burns was incredible as well so uh, my play my pick is is barrios but i wanted to mention burns six and a third at 12 strikeouts um he might actually had 11 strikeouts I, I need to double check on that but uh he had no walks in that game either and uh just one run given up and corbin burns was a guy that i'm really high on and i he was kind of one of my dark horse type picks for a potential Cy Young run from a guy you don't. I, I picked the Grom obviously, but but Corbin Burns looks it looks looks to me like the real deal. So um, he, um, you know, both these guys will be back on the mound tomorrow, I believe. But uh, so far, they've both looked really good. So yeah, it's a, that was a really fun game to watch back. Um, you know, I really didn't get to watch it as it was happening, but I definitely went back in and, and watched a good portion of it when they were dueling. Um, you know, just knew that the guys knew they couldn't make one mistake. Um, and unfortunately Burns made that mistake to Byron Buxton, you know, and, and he took him deep for that home run, but it was a fantastic pitched game on both sides. I wish it wasn't opening weekend. So they probably would have let these guys go a little bit longer. Um, you know, and kind of run up their pitch counts a little bit more, but I completely understand about trying to protect their arms so early into a season. Yeah. But, did you have a couple of pitchers that you kind of just wanted to mention for the week? Um, I mean, I kind of mentioned already, but but I thought Zach Wheeler looked really good. Uh, his stuff was, was was really solid. Um, he's a guy who typically hasn't been the biggest strikeout guy over the last couple of years. He, he's been able to. He's got good velo. He's got good breaking stuff. So it would make sense for him to be a, a good strikeout guy, but he just hasn't yet. Uh, but he he had a really good game on Saturday against the Braves. Struck out a bunch of guys. Um, looked good. I think he pitched seven shutout innings. So uh, solid look for him. And then um, I, I I think he's kind of the main one that that I'd like to mention. Um, and, and then obviously the Burns wasn't really my pick for Player of the Week. So I needed, but I needed to talk about him some too. So um, it's good stuff for sure. Granky's looked pretty good too in his two games. So. Yeah, another one I wanted to mention was uh was Sandy Alcantara 
from oh, the yeah. Marlins. Um, you know, he's pitched 12 innings this week. He's given up six hits, two runs, four walks, but 17 strikeouts. So we're talking about Glass now with 12 strike or 15 strikeouts in 12 innings. Well, Alcantara has 17 in 12 innings. Um, yeah. You know, facing the Cardinals and, and the Rays so far, but yep. you know, very good start there. They're gonna the Marlins are gonna need those pitchers to kind of carry them. And because uh, that yeah, offense isn't all that great. Yeah, their pitchers have looked good. All, all th- well, I don't think I don't have six those thrown yet, but I know Alcantara no. and uh, Pablo Lopez have both looked really good so far. But the Marlins just their offense isn't very good, and their their bullpen is pretty bad too. So um, they've yeah. they've got they've got some work to do there. But but their pitching, their top two look good, and of course with six those, I don't know when he'll be. Well, uh, the first time of the season, but he's actually in the uh, the minor league camp right now. Yeah, they uh, so. he dealt with a strong battle of COVID um, this off season, yeah, gotcha. so he he was behind on his throwing program. So he should be back. I think they were talking about the middle of the month. Yeah, so a couple uh, weeks probably. He'll probably probably just building up innings still, but um, yeah, whenever he's ready to go, they'll have that top three in that rotation. You know, in, in pretty good shape. They just. I mean, like saying that they've got to find some offense and 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 bullpens pitching if if they're gonna be successful this year and you know I just don't see where it's gonna come from right now but uh, especially in that division maybe if they were like in the central or something they they might have a shot to to piece some things together make a run at at the division but in that in that in that NL East I mean there's not no the other teams don't have enough weaknesses there's four teams in that division with. I mean, you maybe look at a couple of the bullpens, uh, but I, I mean, you look at the the Nationals bullpen maybe, and, and they're not the deepest lineup. You know, I I don't think the Braves, the Mets have too many weaknesses. The Phillies, I would have said the bullpen, but their bullpen has looked pretty good so far. So I mean, either way, I mean the Nationals, I mean the the, the Marlins are just gonna have they're gonna have a hard time this year just because of the competition they're gonna be facing. So. Absolutely. Well, you know, like we said, this has been opening week. It was a fun, fun week. Um, looks like it's going to be an amazing season so far. This is this week alone has given us so much to talk about. Um, you know, we're almost an hour long on this episode already. So if that just doesn't show that this is going to be one of the best seasons of baseball that we've had in a long, long time, I don't know what's going to. But, uh, you know, unless if you have any other wrap ups. Yeah, just just a couple things um, with with the rule changes this year that they've they've continued from last year. Um, you know, we can go back and forth about the DH. I think most people kind of prefer it, but I don't think it's the disaster that people keep talking about that it's not in the the National League. Uh, but you know, I, I also get both both arguments to it. But the the seven inning double headers, you know, I don't love that. I think there are situations like like today that the Steven Strasburg was just dealing today, and they pulled him because they were getting late in the game for a, they pulled him for a pinch hitter. But he would have kept pitching if it was a nine inning game, stuff like that. I, you know, Major League Baseball should be nine innings. I get it. Like I say, early this season because of the COVID, and obviously that being the Nationals, it probably makes sense because they're probably going to be playing some doubleheaders early on you know, with, with them having that entire series against the Mets postponed. But um, you look at, you look at the, the seven inning doubleheaders and I hate the extra innings rule. I hate it. It's not the way the game's supposed to be played. You know, I think the, that, that baseball is the only game where you have a, nobody has an advantage in extra innings because, you know, and you look at football, you get the coin toss. Whoever gets, whoever wins the coin toss is an advantage. You know, you look at basketball and you might have like foul trouble or something. Whoever's, whoever's players haven't, hadn't had a player foul out. It's going to have a good shot to win the game. But you, you go to a point where in baseball, I mean, everyone's going to get the exact same number of opportunities. It's, it's just play more innings. And the fact that they add runners on second base and so much of it's determined by which runner is added on second base. So take, for example, look at the Angels. If, if Albert Pujols is on second base in that extra innings, then that's a disaster because the team they're playing might have Byron Buxton on second base. 
So that's just a huge disadvantage. And the fact that it just makes it so random. I mean, it, it, you can have a pitcher that goes out there like on opening day with, you know, I hate to use Braves as an example, but on opening day, I mean, Nate Jones comes in and he, he, throw, he looks really good, gets two grounders. One of them sneaks, sneaks down the line for a single and it wins the game just because there's a runner on second to start the inning. Like it just makes it so random. And, and I think it's a little bit over the top for the, to have that rule around. And I think they should get rid of it, but hopefully that, hopefully that rule doesn't stick around after after this year but who knows so we, we don't i don't expect manfred to do very many smart things out there so <laughs> yeah you could say that again but uh yeah oh your team got your team got victimized by it today so yeah, it did, <laughs> right. yeah. forget about that moreland just hit a little single and scored the winning run for because of extra innings rule so oh it wasn't just that it was umpires too but yeah we're not going to get into the whole umpires <laughs> thing right now because we can go on a whole hour long yeah. about just that but yeah anyways thank you guys for tuning in for this episode i know we kind of rambled on here at the end but uh it was a fun episode uh you know good to have baseball back and uh you know we'll be bringing you guys these weekly podcasts kind of filling you in on what's happening so thank you guys for tuning in this has been the bat flip podcast we'll catch you guys next week Bye.